0: Thank you so much John for leading us in service and also thank you so much Mabel for bringing back the Retro Weekend. <laughs> uh, the, old, the old ones kind of enjoyed it, right? I, I enjoyed the, the, all the songs that has been sung uh, earlier in my faith journey. So we want to thank God. Thank you all so much for being here. So very encouraging despite uh, the rain, the heavy rain earlier but you still make your way here. So that is indicative of your priority to worship God together with His people. So the slides come on. So the Straits Times, let me okay. So the Straits Times published an article on 23rd December 2015 that featured several developments and the naming thereof to be a waste of resources, drawing flag from the public. And one example would be that of, I quote, The Urban Redevelopment Authority embarked on a year-long search for a brand new name <coughs> to help sell major developments in Marina Bay. <coughs> but the new name announced on July 21st, 2005, proved anti A fee of 400,000 was paid to a brand consultancy, and some 400 possible names were mooted. Yet, Marina Bay ended up resting its original uh, name in what many straight time readers felt was a futile, resource-wasting exercise. The name is not new. But what has been used informally so far has now endeared itself to all parties, said the then National Development Minister. Now, with this exercise, what does it tell us? It tells us one thing, or it tells me one thing that the wisdom of crowdsourcing isn't always the way forward. In the same article, The Straits Time included other examples that drew similar responses from the general public. Not only government agencies or companies crowdsource feedbacks and opinions, we too tend to seek advice from others, like our family, our teachers, our friends, and now we have Mr. Google. So depending on who we speak to, we will definitely get different answers right so for example if you if you you are deciding to change a a career switch make a career switch and when you talk to your parents what do you think the advice will be now to them job security is very important so likelihood they will tell you not to not to switch because job stability and security is very important However, if you were to speak to a friend who is more adventurous, what do you think the the reply will be? Go, go and make the switch because then you you can gain more experiences. Therefore, you see, not only that the wisdom of crowdsourcing isn't always wise, but it is almost assuredly subjective. Whereas God's commandments or words or sayings or instructions or decrees or laws are assuredly wise, always consistent, and all the time objective. So let me bring some context to this, and uh, we'll see the next slide from... Uh, so it says here, here Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them, and be sure to follow them. Why follow? Next slide. Observe them, observe the decrees and the law carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. And they will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So, why follow? Because by following God's word, the Israelites will be known as a wise and understanding people to the other nations. So, now what are we to follow? This will bring us to today's passage Which is the second part of the Ten Commandments Or the Ten Words Technically known in the original language as Decalog. Daka Deca means Ten, Logos means Word And I'm sure you are here last week Pastor Chris covered the first four commandments And I hope that you gave, that gave you an insight On how God wanted to have a relationship with us And how we should worship Him and this week, we will look at the remaining six commandments yeah. generally. Many take the view that the first four commandments guide the vertical relationship between God and His people, while the remaining six, which I'm going to cover later, will guide the horizontal relationships between man to men. Is it not true how I treat you, or how I treat my neighbor, or how I treat my family is also an expression of whether I'm faithful or unfaithful to God. Therefore, as much as the commandments guide our relationship with one another, it does have a vertical dimension to it. So let us look at what God has commanded us, specifically on how we interact with the community of believers, the family of God first, and perhaps others as well. So the first part, the first, or for that matter, uh, the fifth commandment, honour your father and mother so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land. The first of the six commandments concerning horizontal relationships begin with father and mother. And it's also the only commandment that comes with a promise. And so if I were to ask you why the first horizontal relationship God have place in it the honouring of father and mother. And what would you say? Why does honouring father and mother being placed first? This is because parents are the fundamental human authority that God has set over us. And therefore, this sacredness of the family ideal is to be maintained. Now, we are all child for a little while but someone's child forever. True? I believe maybe most, if not all, would still have ageing parents. Or for those who are younger, parents like me perhaps also ageing. <laughs> By honouring them means that we are to put them, in, what? To put them in a place of importance. How does honour look like? In Asian culture, it is a virtuous cycle unspoken virtuous cycles that we are to to respect them we are to care for them we are to provide for our our parents no matter how grown up we are you could be spending the whole day in a hospital just by going from one doctor's appointment to the next as arranged and i'm in that season of life where my mom needs to go and see the doctor quite regularly and on giving monthly allowance for their expenditures when children start working, address respectfully, and talk politely, and so on and so forth. But we do see in some other culture that the children tend, tend to break away from the parents when they turn adult and live a life of their own as if the parents are no longer part of their life. While it is true that when we become an adult, and able to care for our own day-to-day living, this commandment of honouring our parents still apply to us, regardless of our age. There is also no exception for those who have dishonourable parents, whereby they suffer from circumstances that may have hurt them or traumatised them. For those who have been through NS, one example would be for those who have gone through NS, or national service, we call it, you may have come across an officer, a sergeant, whom you do not like. However, even when you do not like them, we are to show them respect for the rank and their uniform. Therefore, regardless of the circumstances, we must at least honour the fatherhood or the motherhood. Or if not able to physically reconcile, at least be willing to forgive, for that would be indicative of you still honouring your father and your mother. Now, this commandment is critical because God says that we need to honour our parents so that you may live long and that it may go well with you. Now, understand this, this promise does not merely mean a long life but one that experienced God's presence and blessings as repeated in verses 29 and 33, which I will speak later on. And this is the, to the new generation of Israelites awaiting to enter the promised land. And so, commandment number six, you shall not murder. Now, when asked whether there is a difference between murder and killing during our Bible study just earlier this week, now, few of them say that it is the same because why? In general, life is taken. Now, However, the idea of murder here means taking someone's life illegally and it is premeditated with an intent, meaning killing could be accidental or unintentional, like when you are blindsided while driving and you knock and kill a person. And if that were to happen during the days of old, then you could have had your case heard in the cities of refuge mentioned in chapter 4. Now, unlike killing, murder is an intentional act of revenge killing, premeditated or even planned taking of other person's life. Now, I don't know, um, for the legal experts in our midst, perhaps you correct me if I'm wrong, that in the court of law, to prove the motive of murder or to prove murder itself, two conditions are to be met, and they are in Latin actors rears and men's rears. Right? Any lawyers here? No, do they? All doctors today? <laughs> well, that, what, what it means is actors actor acting or action, and then men's or mental, so it means action and intention so both of these criteria has got to be met we know that the action of a murder is obvious if it does happen but the intent or the intention may be harder to prove right therefore the burden of proof for the prosecutor is high because the punishment is death and not to be taken lightly reason for the prosecutor to prove beyond reasonable doubt is because life is precious and so the commandment however did not prohibit sorry yeah so the commandment however did not pro- prohibit capital punishment or engaging in war both of which are regulated by the laws in the torah so murder is not only a serious crime in the eyes of the law of the land that is punishable by death in most countries, it is also a very serious offence under God's law because God created mankind in his, in his image. God is the creator and author of life. And by murdering another human is akin to destroying God's image. Therefore, no one is allowed to take another human's life. Only God alone, who had made man in His own image, had the right to terminate life. And then here we sit. Well, I'm all right because why? I don't murder anyone. But hold, hold on, hold your horses, right? Our Lord Jesus expound further on our limited understanding of murder in His Sermon on the Mount, and there it goes. Jesus shows us the proper interpretation of murder and the root of murder there is anger. What Jesus is showing us here is three degrees of anger. First, anger itself as a non-verbal concealed emotion. Everything it is concealed but with God, it is never never concealed but revealed. Second, rakah. Rakah is an Aramaic term for contempt. It is anger as a verbal outburst directed to a person. And lastly, you fool. It is also a verbal outburst directed to a person, but what's the difference between Raqqa and the fool? And so it's being said that one commenter says, raka deals more like a, a person who is empty-headed. In Hokkien, they say kong-e lah, it's kong-e, nothing, right, on top there. And while fool, points to a person's heart or points to a person's character. Something like empty of hate, full of heart, F-O-O-L of heart, perhaps. But in our modern-day society, where people are more creative with their vocabulary, words like namskal, imbecile, or like the old English saying to mean foolish or stupid, nim are used to express anger. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, think twice before you tell yourself, you are all right, just because your hands have got no stain of blood. We moved on to commandment number seven, you shall not commit adultery. To understand this command, we need to first understand the biblical understanding of marriage. And we go all the way back to slide, when God said it is not good, when God said it is not good for man to be alone, and He will make a helper suitable for him. And further, another slide. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Therefore. Marriage is a union of one man, one woman, and as God created woman as helper from the ribs of a man, in this sense, it is also a reunion, right? Now, with the biblical understanding of marriage, then, the prohibition here is against sexual relationships between two persons, one or both of whom are married to another party or parties. The reason why adultery is singled out for attention is because adultery, more than other illicit sexual behaviour, has to do with unfaithfulness in a relationship of commitment. Marriage then is a binding committed relationship between two persons and it is in principle similar to the covenant relationship between God and His people. Committing adultery then is therefore a reflection of your unfaithfulness, my unfaithfulness, toward God. And it is similar to the crime of having other gods. Therefore, in the Old Testament, adultery is often used as a metaphor for Israel's idolatry. And many, many other verses that have always been called out to Israel as the adulterous nation. However, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus said, slide, that anyone who looks at woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Therefore, this commandment forbids every kind of deviation from the created order. Commandment number eight, you shall not steal. Stealing is an action of taking another person's property, we all know that, or possessions without permission. At first sight, this commandment seems to be a simple prohibition of theft. However, this commandment is not simply a general legislation on theft, but more specifically with relationships between persons within the covenant community. Therefore, it is more, or probably more accurate, to view this to include what? To include man-stealing. Or in our modern-day language, kidnapping. Just perhaps something like the story of Joseph being sold off. Similarly to physical property, man-stealing means taking of a person's unlawfully or possibly by force. Yet, theft remains one of the most common crime that we have seen or heard until today. Not only physical property, we have also seen the rise in human trafficking. And in the days and age of technology, the seller will always ask you to buy, you going traveling, please buy an RFID wallet, RFID bank. Why so? Because technology has given the scammers or the stealers to steal your identity without you knowing. So identity theft is also very big. So please be mindful that by stealing from another person while you gain, you gain, you gain your spoil, the other side of the equation is that it deprives someone else of something, perhaps even a life-saving thing. There can be many reasons as to why people steal. But generally, people steal for their personal gain, be it material or emotionally. By doing so, it it just shows this contentment towards what God has given us. We are essentially saying this, God, you have not given me enough. Therefore, I should attain something else on my own to satisfy my own needs. Question that begs to be answered. Have not God given you all that you need? Not all that you want, but all that you need. Commandment number nine. You shall not give false testimony. This commandment goes to the sanctity of truth and refers particularly to the testimony that a brother or a sister within the covenant community would give against their neighbour. In the context of a court of law a man or woman's future reputation and in some cases their life could hang on the very word that you say now select comes on in the u.s there was a group of five black and hispanic boys age ranging between 14 and 16 who are more well known as the exonerated five or Central Park Five, or now it is uh, shown on over Netflix documentary titled When They See Us. Now, in, in 1989, they were convicted of brutally raping a woman at Central Park, New York. The brutal beating and raping of a woman provoked public outrage and hungry media. Despite the lack of evidence, inconsistent and inaccurate confessions, they were found guilty of the crime and sentenced between 5 to 15 years in prison. It was only in 2002, by which time all of them would have served their sentence ready, you know. They were exonerated when the court received a confession tape from the real rapists from inside the prisons for other crimes. You see what false testimony can do to a person's life? The damaging and destructive impact on one's life. No amount of compensation uh, can make it right, you know. Have you tried being in prison just for one day? If you're not used to it, you can go crazy. uh. I'm not kidding you. So not only that it results in miscarriage of justice, but more seriously, to give false testimony against a brother or sister involves pretty much your saving yourself, right? Self-interest, lies, a deceit, which is in total contrast to God's character. To despise truth is to despise God whose very being and nature is truth. The one and only living and faithful God has never lied to his people or dealt with them in deceitful manner, and he, even as much as he expects them to reflect his truthful character among themselves in the world around them. And it is the same for us today in Christ too, who is the truth. Moving on to the last but not the least important commandment, the 10th commandment, you shall not covet. To covet means to set one's heart or on someone or something with the hope of owning or controlling them or it. Unlike the other commandments, in that it did not steal with a specific action, this last commandment goes to the sanctity of motives and the quality of our inner contentment this desire begins when we neglect to love the lord our god with all our heart and to trust him for all that we need spiritually emotionally and physically and so i pick up from a new testament passage here the slides comes on from the book of mark is just highlight the impurity of the heart jesus said that what What comes out of a person is what defiles them For it is from within Out of a person's heart All these evils come from inside And defile a person So coveting in this sense Is not something that can be legislated As it happens in the heart, right? So it is beyond judicial context And only God can see your heart, my heart And hold us accountable for what's in our heart. And by giving this commandment, it shows that God is not only concerned about our actions, but more so our heart. What we think, what we covet, what do you covet? At least here, in the last uh, commandment, the coveting of. Another person's wife, coveting of relationship, coveting of another person's house. That is coveting of property, coveting of people's ships and bulls. Those are coveting of people's possessions. Monday day version, I covet a BMW. You no know la BMW is so common nowadays, right? On the road there's so many, not only Maserati Mes- is also McLaren. Covert, this is what I covered. How about a bigger house? Sure. Bigger house with a compound because why? Well, I've got dogs, so I, I really love to see dogs run rather than catch up. You and I would know. You and I have got, have got the answer to God for what lies within our heart. Therefore, it may have been possible for someone. To keep most of the Ten Commandments, but no one could have avoided breaking this, the last Ten Commandments at some time. When we have everything that we need, what do we cover? We cover position, right? We cover what? We cover pride. Because there is influence in all those things. The Ten commandment may be the most forceful of all because it made all of us aware of our inability to keep God's law perfectly. And so with this awareness, prayerfully it brings us back to our dependence on God's grace and mercy. And so after saying this, after giving the laws to God's people, Moses proceeded to recount the majestic moment when God gave the commandments not only verbally but also inscribed inscribed physically on two stone tablets. And so he reviewed history in one sense of the word. And so the Israelites were surprised that in in their encounter, they survived and they are alive when God spoke to them from the mountain, that very scary mountain that is blazed with fire. And simultaneously, they were afraid if they hear voice, the voice of God any longer or anymore, they would die. And because they fear they might potentially die, even though they didn't. In Hokkien, they say uh, they look Moses to like to chui, The modern-day equivalent of their ACM, ACM meeting. Not annual congregational meeting But all congregational meeting Because all God's people were there And they elected Moses to be the moderator For them before God Told you the Presbyterians got it right Now in exchange for having Moses as their intermediary They promised that whatever God told Moses They will listen and they will obey And we see that God was pleased was pleased with the people's suggestion and the proof even of their intent to have a heart of submission and obedience, specifically to fear Him and obey His commandments. Why? Again, God gave a very specific reason for His desire for their fear and and their obedience because verse 29 tells us that it might go well with them and their children forever. So God's desire was that His people would experience blessing and joy and fullness of life and the means by which they would experience that was through obedience to His commands. So after saying that to the people gathered before Him, Moses told them what they should do. And this is the last part. Moses reminded them again that they are to be careful in observing what God has commanded them. God has given them the path on the GPS and they are not to take another route or another route. They are not to take another route not because God wants to put a straining noose around their neck or keeping them from joy and fulfilment in life, but it is only path for them to enjoy the blessings and the fullness of life. They are not to take another route because then they would have missed God's blessing. While the earlier commandments from today's passage seems prohibitive, it seems, we can clearly see actually that the commandments are actually commandments of love, uh, commandments of protection, commandments of blessings. How do we know? Next slide comes up. For commandment number five, honor father and mother, it is actually the love of family and authority. Commandment number six, do not murder, is actually the protection and preservation of the preciousness of life. Commandment number seven, do not commit adultery, is the love and the recognition of marriage. Commandment number eight, do not steal. The protection of one's property and possession. Commandment number nine, do not give false testimony. is to protect one's reputation and possibly life. Commandment number ten, do not covet. And the best of all this is to protect our heart. God didn't give us the law to beat us down. Neither did He force us into a life of restraint. He gave us the law to set us free to show us a way of life, to follow the laws that was intended to lead us to greater joy and fulfillment in life. Now, God loves us and cares enough to share that with us. Can you fathom that? What is the alternative? Israel had a choice and we today have a choice too. We can either follow God's commandment or we can follow our own laws and rules that we think is best. And oftentimes, people think they know themselves best and know what's the best for themselves. And so on 23rd June 2016, another slide comes on. As you all know, UK had held a referendum on whether they want to stay with with the EU European Union or out of the EU. 51.89%, close to 52 of the voters, voted to leave the EU. And as a result, the UK left the European Union on the 31st January 2020, just about three years ago. Now, hours after voting, the most searched question on Google in Britain was, guess. The most searched question on Google in Britain was, what is the EU? (laughs) See, the Brits cast their vote without even knowing what they vote for. While the government took a narrow margin of close to 52%, as the truth of what the people wanted. The EU referendum on Brexit is a significant decision that the government will need to make because it concerns what? It concerns the well being of the nations, the welfare of the people, and what about the aspects of economy? Uh, Livelihood is also in, in affected, and also even leisure, the purpose of leisure. Do you know that now they want to cross just a the country? They have got to apply for visa. And for us, Hopefully, prayerfully, we will travel visa-free to China in due time, thanks to the foreign ministry, if you have watched the news. (laughs) So do we really know ourselves best and know the best way forward? I guess not lah. So who do we follow? Well, the chapter ends as how it began. With Moses telling the Israelites the way forward is to be careful to do and walk in obedience to the commands of God for posterity and prosperity. For us, the way forward is not a direction but a person. That person is Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the incarnate Word who dwells among us. For us, Our obedience is to Jesus, who came not only to fulfill the law of Moses, but He expanded it to show us the intent or the sorry to the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. Yet somehow, same as the Israelites, our fundamental obedience is not to merit God's favor. Hear properly, yeah. You want to obey Him? It's not because we want to gain merit. We can't because God is the initiator of saving us just like He saves the Israel of old. It is not, our obedience is not to merit God's favour but because we have been saved. And so in ending, if I were to ask you, how does obedience to the Ten Commandments in the New Testament looks like? What would you say? Now let's read the next slide to get a sense of it. All read together because I'm seeing your eyes also are a bit closing. <laughs> okay, one, two, three. Let no debt remain outstanding. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments: You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You shall. Not ever Love does not. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of God. So, simply, obedience is love God, love neighbor, worship God, obey his word, so that the world out there may know the God whom you believe, the God whom I believe, the God whom you trust and obey, and the God whom I trust and obey. If you have missed the past 20-25 minutes, perhaps I hope that this last slide will help us remember. The acronym of love is first and foremostly, we are to love God. Without loving God, we don't talk about loving one another, right? Because if God is love, then we cannot say that we love God and not love one another. To love God Is to love one another, to love God, and not to love one another. The Bible tells us in the book of John, we are liars. So love God. Oh, obey God's word. That's what we we weekly do, right? For those who are in the DG, perhaps two three times a week, which is good. Perhaps we are we are trying to to hoping to see increasingly you're doing your daily your daily night time, which is always advocated, is always persuaded, it's always encouraged for us to do. So we obey God's word. And then sitting next to us, we are all God's people. Do you know that? We are all God's brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. Value one another. Here seated in this hall, we have all different positions of people. We have all different kinds of people. But we are still the people of God. So why don't we just love one another? Value each other for who we are. For who God has made us to be. His image and then E, to enjoy the blessings of God's presence. Amen. Shall we pray? Almighty God and ever-loving Father, I want to thank you so much for your word that reminds us that the law is not meant to restrain us or to constrain us or to cram our style, but actually to free us to see the goodness of Your love and Your protection and Your blessings, Lord, through the giving of Your Word to the Israelites back then and also to us now. And I pray, Lord, increasingly we understand that we'll live free lives. For then we know, Lord, to live in Your truth, which is Your Word, the truth will set us free. So bless us, O Heavenly Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.